Hello and welcome to Wizard Studies. I'm Katie. And I'm Audrey. And you better not fall asleep during today's episode (laughs) because we're talking about dreams, everybody. (laughs) Oh, that's dad joke. Audrey told me not to say that. (laughs) (laughs) The quality of this podcast is quickly declining. Uh, All right. Yeah, so we're gonna go with uh, this just quickly before we get into announcements and stuff. The setup of this is we're gonna first kind of go over the overall importance of the dreams and kind of what they mean throughout the series, and that importance of dreams in general. Sorry, and then we'll go through like book by book, talk about each dream that Harry has because I don't really know if we ever hear about dreams that other characters have. Maybe, like, in passing sometimes. Like, I'm sure Ron has said, like... Oh, like, I feel like he has that nightmare one time where he's like, the spiders were making me tap dance. I didn't want to tap dance. (laughs) Um, And just, like, going through each of Harry's dreams and talking about, like, what they mean for the series and for Harry and for what's coming and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it'll be good. Our patron of the episode is Michael. So thank you, Michael, for all of your support and just generally in this holiday season, a thank you to all of our patrons uh, for supporting us through the year. Um, And happy last, like, normal episode of 2021, Katie. It's been a ride. We've had some weird recording schedules. Yeah. (laughs) Things are not getting easier to plan, but it's fine. But... I think we set a record for most in-person recordings in one year this year with was it with two? three? I think we did three episodes though. Because I think maybe, did we do two episodes that first time? Oh, uh, we did one episode and the pop quiz thing with. Morgan. Oh, that's right. So yeah, that's right. so like two and a half. Yeah, that's good. It's good record. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Here's um, to many more. Yeah, and happy holidays to everybody listening, whatever you celebrate or don't celebrate. Spend some time with people you love. Wear masks if needed while you're yeah. doing that. Be safe still, but get that loving. And cross your fingers for 2022. I know. Get your boosters. Yeah. All right. Get your boosters, everybody. Yes, definitely do that. <laughs> or get vaccinated if you haven't also done that. Yeah. All right. Should we should we talk about some dreams? Let's get into it. <laughs> so, just like generally, I feel like we always kind of talk, or it's it's always like mentioned, like the significance of dreams in the series and like the way they're used for foreshadowing. Um, Harry's dreams, obviously, because we're having this episode, often have foreshadowing powers, and we often hear about a lot of his dreams, like. We're basically going to talk about, I'm pretty sure, all of his dreams in the series. I found, like, a list on the lexicon that we're using. So, if we miss some, I'm sorry. I did not go through myself searching for them. But um, I think it's pretty comprehensive. And there are a lot of them. It's, like, at least a few every book. Speaking of that, so I, like, I'm with my family now. And I we were, like, playing board games. And I was like, oh, I have to do notes for wizard studies. I, like, kept putting it off, putting it off. And my mom goes... Katie Audrey's gonna be so mad if you know if you don't get your notes done and my sister was like I like started doing the notes and she's like seeing if she she was like do you want me to help you I was like no I think I'm good she's like wait did Audrey input all of the dreams for you already I was like yeah she's the best yeah nobody knows all the things I do up front for you I know honestly she just sets me up for success and I fail every time (laughs) I've not finished my notes for this episode while we're speaking right now so oh god okay so um with Harry we also know that sometimes his dreams aren't like actually dreams we learned that like when he is sleeping he's more susceptible to this connection with Voldemort so weirdly he can like see things that are actually happening while he's sleeping um and some of that might not be due to the connection with Voldemort which I will talk about later it can be very confusing 
Um, but his dreams are just used to, like, give us as readers information about Voldemort. And, like, it's it allows us to, like, see what's going on with the other side. With the books being, most of the time, third person, like, limited perspective from Harry's perspective. Um, and they also, like, the dreams also help inform Harry and the trio about what Voldemort is doing. Because, obviously, like, the world they live in, they don't, like, have... I don't know, like, a technology to, like, keep tabs on Voldemort. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then also, like, unrelated to what we're really going to talk about in this episode, but something that comes up when you do gr- Google about dreams and Harry Potter, dream interpretation is part of divination. Um, but, m- like, much of divination, that's portrayed as bullshit in the series. And it's actually, like, that, like is not really used as part of this, like, mechanism of having dreams foreshadow things. Um, Because I think when Harry has to do, like, his dream journal and stuff, he just, like, makes things up. Well, he makes things up, but they end up, like, kind of working. Like, it's in four, I think, when they do the dream journals, right? Because it's with the blast-ended scroots, and that's four. Like, Ron and Harry are talking about, like, getting burned or losing a bat and like those things are, i thought like, that was burned. just like i don't i didn't think that was dream journal i thought that was like the planet chart or something no i think it was i think there was oh like predictions yeah mm, you yeah. could be right yeah i think i think you're right but there is a dream journal and i think they talk about having to keep a dream journal Yes, yeah. I just think that uh, it's a different thing. Yeah, it's a different right, thing. Right. But yes, the dream, the predictions are like they actually do kind of line up. Yeah. Um. Anyways, ignore that then. <laughs> uh. Yeah, that was all I had to say about dreams in okay. general. <laughs> so before we get into like the actual book, we do hear about some previous dreams like Harry had had growing up in the first book um so he talks about in the first book there i think like i don't think this actually happens in real real time or maybe he's had that maybe it's a recurring dream about the flying motorcycle i think he's had it like multiple times because i think it does happen in the book like on the way to the zoo or something right harry's uh, like talking about a flying motorcycle and mr yeah. birdsies is like motorcycles don't fly like get that out of your head you jerk you know yeah um it's yeah it is very it's like while they're in the car yeah they like talk about it um yeah. but yeah so harry's had dreams about a flowing flying motorcycle and that's obviously like semi maybe a repressed memory mm-hmm. um from when he was a kid because like hagrid brings him to four private drive on the flying motorcycle um and then he talks about always dreaming of unknown relations coming to like take him away from the dursleys and so like i really think this comes down to like wishful thinking on harry's part and shows up shows us like his psyche like he's just like yearning for like that love that family people who care about him and it shows how much the dursleys like don't fulfill that need for him um this isn't like alluding to anything though because we never like he never finds an unknown relation i mean Mm -hmm. like maybe you could kind of make it the stretch of like ignotus peverall and like how that kind of is found and comes about but it's not like Ignatius Peverell doesn't, like, come be his family, but he does, like, find, like, a relative, and that, like, becomes kind of part of the plot, but I mean, like, really... Hagrid is kind yeah, of Yeah, yeah, like, I think that, like, he finds his, like, found family, Yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. obviously that's a recurring theme throughout this series of, like, Harry, like, you don't have to be blood-related to be family, and, like, mm-hmm. you don't have to be blood-related to treat other people like family. Harry finds and makes his own family you know yeah because that unknown relation never comes (laughs) um yeah so then dreams that actually occur in sorcerer's stone i think the first one we see is his first night at hogwarts um harry after like being sorted into gryffindor harry has this dream that he was wearing quirrell's turban and the turban, like, in, in place of the um, 
sorting hat was telling him that he had to transfer to Slytherin or he should transfer to Slytherin and he belongs there, which like from jump, this is something that, you know, Harry was self-conscious about. Um, and he sees like Malfoy laughing at him and then Malfoy turns into Snape and then Snape's laugh becomes high and cold and he awakes after he sees a flash of green light. So like this is the high and cold laugh and the flash of green light are obviously tied directly to like Voldemort. Um, and I think, um, Oh, I was, so I was going to talk about this in the next stream in Sorcerer's Stone, but it applies here too in that like, I'm pretty sure like, actually I'm like a hundred percent sure. Cause it's the beginning of Harry, Harry's education. Like he does not know what the flash of green light means. Like he, mm. and he wouldn't know, just, like, outside of his memories that, like, Avada Kedavra casts green light. So, like, this is very obviously some sort of suppressed memory. And that, like, Voldemort's laugh is probably something that he actually heard. And it's interesting that, like, immediately upon, like, meeting Malfoy and Snape and, like, seeing Quirrell again for um, a second time, which, if you listen to our Quirrell episode... At this point, we think that he is now, like, fully being possessed by Voldemort, potentially. Oh, at the feast? Oh, no, actually, he's not. But, like, Voldemort's in the back of his head at this point. Yes. Like, Voldemort is in his head. Yes. Oh, right, yeah. Because he's in the turban. Yeah, and so, like, Harry is subconsciously, like, tying all of these people together, um... Quirrell and Voldemort obviously are like one person right now and um he hasn't even like met Snape he's barely met Malfoy and like he's already kind of like grouping all of his like quote-unquote enemies and they're all like well Quirrell aside um they're all Slytherins so like well he's half Slytherin now you know the back of his head that's true that's true (laughs) um so I think it's really interesting like he like hasn't even had an interaction with Snape like he barely like has these things and like we as the reader are being told like all of these people are gonna be bad side note um like fuck the sorcerer's stone movie for completely like warping our memories of like quarrel and like when he got the turban like if the movies had gotten that right because like we went back and forth so many times that episode we had to go back to the book and check so much stuff and i blame the movies because like he had the turban in the movie and, like, that kind of thing. Like, it messed up how I saw the timeline of things and made that episode so much more confusing than it needed to be. I don't even remember what the correct answer is now. Well, because, like, he does it in the books. He doesn't have a turban in the bar, in the pub. Oh, right. Okay, yeah. Because that's when he goes to try and break into Green Gods, fails, and that's why Voldemort then goes to him. the back of his head. He, okay. Yeah. See, it's like I already got confused. Yeah. Yeah. And it messed us up so badly. (laughs) We, like, I feel so stupid from the episode. But we were also trying to figure out, like, if there were distinctions between Baltimore's possession of Coral. So I know. It was, that was, that was a wild episode, a wild ride. Listen to that one if you haven't. Yeah. Let's not get into that now. (laughs) Um, and so then the next dream Harry has, or we see Harry have in Sorcerer's Stone is, after he's been, like, spending weeks looking at the mirror of Erised, he has this dream about his parents dying. Um, and it includes more flashes of green light and the same laugh. Um, and obviously, like, this kind of makes sense that it might have been prompted by the time that, like, Harry's been thinking about his parents a lot and probably wondering about their death a lot. And this very much seems to be, like, repressed memories coming up. Um, and like I said, further evidence for these being, like, actual memories and not just, like, Harry imagining their deaths is the, um, the fact that, like, he wouldn't know that Avada Kedavra causes a green light. He wouldn't know what Voldemort's, or he wouldn't necessarily know that, like, that laugh was Voldemort's, like, if it wasn't to do with, like, the memories and, like, those things resurfacing, which I think is really interesting and, like, probably, like, just, like, happen would happen a lot to him like or anyone like if you've had this like traumatizing event when you're like a baby baby and then you're like 
kind of forced to forget it because you're not allowed to talk about it. Nobody talks about it to you for years and years and years. And then when you're 11, you, like, enter the world where that event is, like, tied in. And, like, you realize, like, you're famous for that event. Like, I'm sure those memories, like, come up in flashes. And you're just, like, not sure if they're a real memory or an imagination. So I think it's really interesting. And I, I like that, like... Harry's interpreting these things as dreams, um, but nope, they're real. Yeah, and um, I do think the flash of green light also comes up in Sorcerer's Stone, too. Because I think, like, because he's always told that his parents died in a car accident, and uh. he, but he keeps seeing the green light, and he's like, that must have been, like, something, like, that must have happened during the car accident or something. Like, he keeps on, like, saying that. Um, like I, I, like I remember that from the book, so yeah, that must be a recurring thing in the first book as well. Um, but moving on to Chamber and Prisoner, so there's only one, um, dream listed from Chamber of Secrets, um, and it's at the very beginning of the book while he's still at the Dursleys, um, so he has a dream that he's, like, kept in a cage at a zoo, and, like, he's listed as, like, underage wizard, and people are, like, coming to look at him. And so this happens after the incident with the Masons where Harry was like officially warned from the ministry about doing underage magic and he was locked in his room. So it's just like really in like an encapsulation of how he feels like he feels really like guilty and self-conscious. I think like he knows that he did not do the magic, but he feels bad about like being caught, quote unquote, you know, like, I mean, he got like officially reprimanded from the government at like 12 years old. Like, obviously that's going to like you know, make you feel some type of way. (laughs) And he's also, like, locked in his room with bars on his window. So that, like, adds to the fact that he feels, like, caged in, that, like, everybody can, like, peer in and Mm -hmm. look at him. Like, he just feels, like, on display. Like And he's being, like, fed, like, an animal. Yeah, fed, like, an animal. Um, Also, Dobby was in the dream, and he's, like, Harry's like help me help me and Dobby's like no you're safe in there and so that's also kind of something that like he's wrestling with is that like Dobby had just told him that he can go back to Hogwarts because it's not safe for him there and like Dobby had done all these things to try and prevent him from going to Hogwarts um and the dream like the Dursleys come up and start like rattling the cage of like rattling the bars of the cage and he wakes up to like Ron doing that outside his window so this is like the night that he escapes um so yeah, I think it just like per- perfectly encapsulates a lot of the feelings that he has and also kind of like calls back to the zoo incident in the first book. So oh. I think that one's really cool. Um, in the third book, he has a dream that he's like walking through a forest with his fireball and he's following like a glowing light, which is a Patronus, but I'm not sure at this point in the book if he knows that's what it is or not mm. not sure well <laughs> wait when's the first time he sees a Patronus cast like I guess on the train so probably so like he know he doesn't know maybe doesn't know it's a Patronus but knows like that it yeah gets rid of Dementors um but he's unable to tell like I guess, like, he knows that it's something, like, some animal, but he's unable to tell what animal he's following. He's, like, trying to get a close look at it, and it keeps, like, getting away from him. From him. He does, like, hear hooves. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, that's obviously, like, a hint to us that it's the stag, which is his Patronus as well as his father's Patronus. Um, and just kind of, like, foreshadows the moment in the forest at the end of the book um, with him casting the Patronus. I think also, like, him having his fireball alludes to, like, Sirius being there with him um, Mm. and just kind of, like, his presence because, like, we know the fireball came from Sirius. Mm -hmm. He then has a dream the night before a Quidditch match. I guess he has two dreams. I think he wakes up from one and then has another one immediately after if I'm, like, reading this correctly, because it sounds like they both happened the night before a Quidditch match against Slytherin. Mm. Um, So he's, like, he has a dream that he sleeps in and misses the the match against Slytherin, and Neville has to play secret instead of him, and they lose by a lot. It's, like, really devastating. So, like, he always, especially in these early books, he gets, like, really nervous before Quidditch games, and, like, we see 
and the next book goblet of fire he gets really nervous before like the first task like before the tasks as well um and like sometimes that comes out in his dreams so like obviously Mm -hmm. we can tell he's nervous about this quidditch quidditch match um there's also like some interpretation of like neville being the one to sub in for him Mm -hmm. and like neville and harry's relationship by like neville almost being the chosen one but not but harry being picked instead um and kind of their connection throughout the series i saw something too that was like this is foreshadowing like the fact that, like, Neville stands in for Harry to kill Nagini, like, the last yeah. four cracks, like, oh, so. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you can read super into that, but it is interesting that, like, Neville is the one that, because, like, at the time, it just seems like, oh, that's funny, like, Neville has He would have been, like, Quidditch. probably the worst to perform, right. like, the yeah, worst yeah. at Quidditch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the last one, again, I think happens the same night. He has a dream that in the Slytherin versus Gryffindor Quidditch match, the Slytherins are riding dragons, mm. which is a really big allusion to obviously the next book with Goblet of Fire and the first task and dragons. And um, I think like he he forgot his broom. So like Harry's just like running around the Quidditch pitch, I guess at this point, or he's like not even playing. And so I think like this kind of, alludes to the fact that like he's about to battle a dragon with his fireball but like what he spends all the time preparing for for this task is just like getting his broom so he's most worried about like in that moment that his broom isn't going to come like when he does go to the first task Mm. um and like that's what he's like worried about and relying on in that moment so it's funny that in this moment like he doesn't have his broom yeah yeah, that's interesting. Okay, so, and then we have Goblet. So, the first, like, quote-unquote dream in Goblet is the Riddle House dream. And it's not really a dream. But, um, he, so, obviously the whole, like, first chapter of goblet of fire is the riddle house and it is like it's also a great chapter (laughs) yes katie we know you love goblet of fire um it is like presumably told from like frank's perspective right because frank is the one that we like see throughout um and we kind of hear his thoughts and then at the end of the chapter the last line says like in 200 miles away like Harry Potter woke with a start and the next chapter Harry is trying to remember the dream and he ends up like his scar is hurting and he ends up like writing a letter to Sirius about it but when Harry is trying to remember the dream and what he saw occur we like learn what he saw in his dream which isn't necessarily exactly what we saw as like Frank's perspective um he, like, is seeing the room where they're having the discussions about, like, killing the boy and stuff like that. Um, but he isn't seeing it from Voldemort's point of view. And he's not seeing it from Frank's point of view. Because the way it's, like, kind of phrased, it sounds like he's in the room. He says he can hear Voldemort's voice, but he does see Voldemort's chair turn around. So he's not, like, in Voldemort's mind. Which would be the most logical explanation because we've seen this happen other times that like Harry was just in Voldemort. The second most logical explanation would be that like Harry was in Nagini's mind because we obviously see that occur in Order of the Phoenix but he talks about being able to see the snake on the floor. Hmm. He also says he can see Wormtail and some man he doesn't recognize that's Barty Coach Jr. And when the door opens and Voldemort's chair spins around, he sees, like, an old man's body fall and get hit by the killing curse. So, like, he sees everyone in the room. So, what, how, like, this is not, this doesn't appear to have anything to do with Harry's connection to Voldemort. The only thing I could think of, is this the first time we see this? Like, this is the first, because it's happened, or no. Is this the first time we see, like, Harry seeing something, something happening, like, in happening around Voldemort? 
Yeah, and I think it's the first time we see him, like, see something that's that's happening in real time. Actually happening in real time. The only thing I could think of is, like, Voldemort is his, like, Valdi baby self at this moment, right? He's Uh not, like, a full-blown person that happens at the end of this book. So I wonder if, like, his mind was not, like, suitable to, like, host Harry. Mm -hmm. But, like, if the case, why was Harry, like... Like, then it just shouldn't have worked, you know? Yeah. So, and yeah, I know, that's very interesting. Yeah, I think, like, people point to this and they're like, oh, Harry's, like, a seer, like, you yeah. know. Um, I mean, you can also just say it's, like, it's a plot hole and the author hadn't yeah. figured out, like, not, like, a plot hole, but, like, the author just hadn't figured out how she wanted to portray, like, Harry seeing things through Voldemort yet. Um. Yeah. But I just, like, I've always kind of struggled with this because it doesn't. And then, like, his scar prickling makes it seem like, oh, yeah, this is supposed to, like, be the connection. Mm-hmm. The fact that he wakes up and his scar hurts. Yeah. Um, but I can't get around the fact that, like, he can see Voldemort's. Or he he is, like, positioned behind Voldemort's chair such that he can't see Voldemort. Yeah. But, like, he says something about, like, when the chair turned around, like... He saw a terrible thing. It's very weird because also, like, we don't see what he sees Voldemort as, right? Like, he doesn't describe Voldemort Mm -hmm. to us. Mm -hmm. So, like, obviously, it was written so that, like, the suspense of what Voldemort looks like would wait till the end of the book. Yeah. So, like, a way you could do that is, like, put him inside Voldemort, you know? Yeah. Like, that would take care of that problem. Yeah. So it's interesting. Also, before you move on, I just want to say, I, we didn't talk about any of the, like, visions that Harry has in the third book while, like, Dementors come at him with, like, the yeah. woman screaming. Because those aren't dreams. They're, like, visions. And I it's, just wanted to clarify. It's, like, a memory, straight up. Yeah. That's not yeah. even coming to him while he's asleep. So, yeah. yeah. Good, good call. Um... But yeah, this is super confusing to me. And I like, it actually wasn't listed on the the lexicon as a dream. But mm. I went back and I looked and like the start of the next chapter, Harry's talking about it as a dream. Like, he thinks he dreamed this. Yeah, so. he's like, I think like, because he writes the letter like right away, right? Yeah. And he wakes up the next morning and he was like, oh shoot, like, I think yeah. I overreacted. Uh-huh. It's like one of those things where it's like. Like this, oh my God, funny story. This happened to me with my COVID test. So I got my rapid test, like I took a rapid test the other day and they're like, do you want to wait to get a paper copy or do you want us to just call you? I was like, you can just call me. So I'd gone super early in the morning because the Mm -hmm. lines are like ridiculously long. So I got there like half an hour before they opened. I was out with like in like a half an hour of them opening. They called me like right as soon as I got back to my place. And they're like, your test is negative. I was like, all right, awesome. I went to bed. I woke up like three hours later and was like, was it really negative? Like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I was like, I started to second guess myself. So I had to call them back and be like, hi, just wanted to like double check. <laughs> they're probably like, this woman is crazy. <laughs> you know, like it's one of those things where you start to like second guess yourself. You don't like, know oh, if you dreamed like, it. Yeah. I don't know if I dreamed it. Like it wasn't that big of a deal. As like one of those type of things that here happened to Harry. Yeah. So I don't know. I I I really don't know how to explain this. But Yeah, it's so weird too because like we see the chapter through Frank's perspective. Mm-hmm. Which is like also an interesting choice because it's like This is like so, the first time we see something not through Harry's perspective. I yeah. Think. It's the first time that happens, but it's also like Harry is also there, so it's, like, there, quote-unquote, you know, like, mm-hmm. Harry experiences it himself, so, like, why would we not just see it from Harry's outsider perspective? Yeah. If we're gonna see it at all. Yeah. Or just, like, omniscient, what is it, like, second person? No, third person. No, just third like person, above yeah. all. Yeah. It's weird. It's just, like, a re- weird choice all around for it to be, like, Written from Frank's perspective, Harry experiences it from his own perspective, like, but wasn't there and doesn't experience it from Voldemort's perspective. Yeah. Which is what happens later. Yeah. 
It doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah. I still love the chapter. <laughs> <laughs> it's not so much a flaw in the chapter. It's a flaw in the fact that, like, Harry knows it happened. And, like, the follow-up to the chat, like, the beginning of the next chapter doesn't really make sense. I don't know. I just wish, he, like, it got revealed later on. Kind of, like, why we had seen this. And I know it's, mm-hmm. like, we're, we're being seen it to get the context. But I wish it, like... I wish there was an explanation for it, and, like, the easy explanation could just be, like, seeing it through Voldemort's eyes, but that doesn't Yeah. Happen. I don't know. Um, okay, so then the next one is the mermaid dream. So, Harry has a dream that the mermaid from the prefix bathroom is holding his fireball and laughing at him. Um, and this is, like, when he has fallen asleep in the library. I don't know if it's the night before the second task or just, like, another time that he's in the library trying to figure out um, how to survive the second task. But, like, at this point, he doesn't know the general idea of the second task. He knows, like, something is going to be taken from him. And he's going to have to go in the lake underwater for an hour. Um, but he doesn't know that, like, the thing that he loves most or would miss most is a person. And so he thinks about it as a as the fireball. Um And this is just, like, I think you mentioned one dream earlier, or two dreams earlier, with the fireball. And I feel like it's something that just, like, comes up a lot. And it's interesting because, like, this being the thing in his dream hints to us that that's, like, his physical possession that he values the most. Which, I don't know. I would either be that or the invisibility Oh yeah. I was also thinking the like photo book that Hagrid gave him. Yeah, but he like never talks about that. That is true. Like it just never. Like really we ended. think of that as something really significant, but like that's like a <laughs> one-off Cutting, thing in the book. He gives no fucks. Um, like I already know what they look like. I saw them enough times in the mirror there. So, <laughs> so I don't know. And like the fact that the firebolt keeps coming up in his dreams, I mean, it makes sense in three because like that's kind of a plot point, but. Maybe it is the thing he would value the most. I could, um, I could buy it. Yeah, I definitely like the invisibility cloak would be up there as well. Cause like, the invisibility in, cloak has like a sentimental, like I guess the firebolt yeah. like Sirius gave him, but like the invisibility cloak, like it's like the one thing he has passed on from his father. Like yeah, the invisibility cloak is also one of a kind. Like obviously Harry doesn't really know that yet, but like as a viewer or as like a reader viewer, like out yeah. of perspective, it's like. You could just buy another fireball. Harry. Yeah. Yeah, like you actually have the money too as well. Like yes. I know you got this one as a gift, but like you could afford to do it. Yeah. Whereas like the invisibility cloak is one of a kind and like invaluable. Yeah. To like the plot later yeah. on. Whereas like the firebolt's like he could just use any broom theoretically for some of the stuff yeah. that the firebolt comes into play with. But also, he's a 14-year-old boy, and maybe it's the thing he values most. <laughs> that is true. I don't know. Uh, okay, so then the last stream in uh, Goblet of Fire is he falls asleep in divination class. Um, and I'm mostly just going to, like, paraphrase from what the lexicon says about the dream because it's, like, kind of long. Um, but he has a dream that he's flying on the back of a huge eagle owl, which I believe he has just seen the eagle owl, like, out the window in divination class. Um, and we know that, we as readers know that Draco's, uh, owl is an eagle owl. Um, and Harry flying on the back of this owl, uh, flies toward an old ivy-colored house, ivy-covered house, sorry, um, on a hill and entered an upstairs window. He um, flies like through a passageway to a room which is dark because its windows are boarded up and he gets off of the owl's back. The owl goes to a chair um, and Harry sees two things on the floor, a large snake and a wormtail and Harry watches as someone in the chair tortures wormtail and using the Cruciatus curse, um, after telling him that he, like, ruined everything because he messed up, and then Harry wakes from this dream, and he knows it was 
significant immediately and like goes to tell Dumbledore. So this is presumably like obviously the like flying on the eagle owl part is not something that has happened, but the scene that Harry sees we're like led to believe that this is another kind of um, similar thing to the the Riddle House scene where like Harry is seeing something that's happening in real time. And I guess this is again he's not in Voldemort's perspective or Nagini's perspective. Yeah. This is four. Mm-hmm. I was just trying to think of the importance of the eagle owl. Like I know like kind of like you said he might have just seen one. I was trying to think of this as like at the Malfoys, but he wouldn't be at the Malfoys in Goblin. No, I think it's at the it's at the Riddle House, but yeah. the significance of the Eagle Owl is not related to the dream so much as like yeah. Harry has seen the Eagle Owl and this is actually how Draco is communicating with Oh no, it's not how Draco is communicating with Rita Skeeter because he's just like whispering to her. Whispering to her. Yeah. I don't know. But, again, maybe, okay, so maybe this, like, maybe Maybe just, like, further connects Draco and... Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I think that, like, maybe just your theory of, like, whatever, Voldemort didn't have a body, so, like, Harry can't, like, Mm. be seeing things from his perspective. Like, maybe (laughs) that holds up, because now we have two examples and Harry is not seeing the visions from Voldemort's perspective. Um, but then from, like, kind of here on out, I believe he does. Like, starting in order. Um, but also... You could just say that it was... A, yeah, the author like hadn't the decided whole... by the time she wrote yeah. for how she wanted to portray it. Yeah. I mean, I buy that probably more than anything. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, which it's fair, like. Do we know, know what the blunder is? Is this like when um? It had to be something. Party coach senior gets loose. Oh, is it something with Bertha? Because Wormtail's the one that is imperiousing senior, right? I don't know. When did that happen, though? This... Because doesn't he do something like... He gets wrecked... Okay, this is my theory. Again, I don't remember exactly when this happens in the timeline of the book. But, like, he goes out and gets recognized by Bertha Jorkins. And at first, Voldemort is, like, pissed about that. He's like, you're stupid. You can't... Like, that... That happens, like, when they're in Albania. Oh, you're right, you're right. Because um, it happens before. Yeah, so this dream... I mean, maybe it is still calling back to that, though, where, like, yeah. apparently... Like, maybe they've seen that, like, the they've the started book, to raise the alarm about Bertha Jerkins being missing. Oh, yeah, That could be, be it. Because, that, like, Wormtail, I don't think, does anything with Senior, because, like, I think Voldemort is, like, punishing him. Mm. Kind yeah. of. I don't know. This dream occurs, so when Harry immediately goes to tell Dumbledore about it, um, it's actually when he, like, goes into the pensive in Dumbledore's office, because he, like, waits in Dumbledore's office. Um, So it's around the time that you start, like, learning things about Crouch, um, both of the Crouches, but I don't think anything has happened with that yet. So I think maybe this is just, it could just be that, like, maybe finally someone has been, like, Bertha Jorkins is missing. We need to go find her. Yeah. And <laughs> Voldemort's like, this is going to come back to get us. Yeah. Yeah. Because I connect Wormtail more with Bertha than I do Senior. Because, like, Junior is the one that, like... Because Junior is in Hogwarts, like, with Senior. So you would assume that he's the one in piercing him, right? Because mm-hmm. they're, like... Yeah. It would... Like, Wormtail being found with Senior would be way bigger of a deal than, like, a Moody being found with Senior, you know? Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Um, so, moving on to Order. So, he starts the book. He has lots of, like, nightmares about the graveyard, which is, like, fair. You know, reliving the events of that was, like, it's a very traumatic night for him. Um, and, like, Cedric dying. And this is where we get the, like, who's Cedric, your boyfriend? line in order of the phoenix because like 
Harry is talking in his sleep about it and he's like no not Cedric um so yeah it just like shows how traumatized Harry is about this and like obviously it's traumatizing um so on his first night at Grimmauld Place he has a dream and this is like kind of all over the place so I'm just gonna read a quote um from the wiki which I believe is just a quote from the book um he fell asleep thinking he heard others making their way upstairs in fact many legged creatures were certainly soft were cantering softly and up and down outside the bedroom door and Hagrid was saying beauties aren't they Harry will be studying weapons this term and Harry saw that the creatures had cannons for heads and were turning to face him and duck so I think this like foreshadows alludes to a couple different things like Thestrals play kind of a big part throughout this book like this Mm. being the first time Harry sees Thestrals so those could be like the creatures cantering and they obviously also like so they're known as omens of death sorry I just thought about this and they're like what deliver Harry and the like golden and silver trios to the ministry Ooh, like up yeah. for death basically yeah. i'm like none of them die obviously like ser- i mean serious dies but he didn't write it that yeah there but yeah. like you could kind of like tie that into like delivering them like to like a possible death mm-hmm. you know um and then obviously series dies after so like delivering them to the death chamber right the Isn't death chamber yeah. yeah oh my god yeah dang sorry i just thought about that <laughs> um so anyway. like those could be kind of like the creatures and then obviously like with the weapon this is the first night grimald place so this is after they had heard that like the only thing that they would tell them was that like they're trying to get something that they didn't have last time that voldemort doesn't have and they called a weapon which i think that harry or like so one of the kids says, oh, like a weapon, and they're like... And they're like... Sure, and then Molly's like, that's enough. Yeah, yeah. Which is like, I don't know. And then it's just like the trio weapon. calls it a weapon from then on out. Like Yeah. Yeah, so they're like picturing these like... Thestrals with cannons for head. It's like what Harry is thinking in his subconscious when he hears the word weapon, which is weird. But obviously like also the four-legged creatures... Like, part of this dream, he falls asleep hearing things. So it's Mm -hmm. kind of, like, hard to tell, like, when their dream starts and when, like, what he's hearing ends. But, like, Buckbeak is obviously in the house. Yeah. So he could have very well, like, been falling asleep to hearing Buckbeak walking around. So that also could be um, what's leading to, like, the many-legged creatures cantering. Yeah, definitely. Um, Later at Grimmauld Place, so after the hearing... The night before they leave for the Hogwarts Express. This is, again, is like a very confusing dream, so I'm just going to read a quote. (laughs) His parents wove in and out of his dreams, never speaking. Mrs. Weasley sobbed over Creature's dead body, watched by Ron and Hermione, who were wearing crowns, and yet again, Harry found himself walking down a corridor, ending in a locked door. Um, So, like, he's been having this recurring dream also of, like, walking down a corridor, but this is also kind of like... Voldemort memory like mm-hmm. it's kind of all connected into that not so much of a dream per se um so like this is kind of like a mishmash dream like the crowns on Ron and Hermione obviously allude to the fact that they were like were just named prefect and mm-hmm. Harry had some feelings about that um it could also allude to like the song Weasley is our king that comes up later in this book mm-hmm. yeah um and like it's kind of recurring the lexicon talks about creature's dead body maybe like alluding to Sirius's fate at the end of this book and like creature's role in it um which like I don't know if I really I understand that yeah um I think like creature was just like on his mind like creature's been kind of like yeah I know a thing that has been a talking point throughout this book already and then mrs weasley had just fought the bog art that night and seen all of the like loved ones dead bodies that she'd been like holding and crying so that's where like yeah mrs weasley sobbed over blank's body comes from but it's weird that it's creatures and i still don't like i don't fully get that yeah um his parents like never speaking obviously this is right after he's been shown the like picture of the order so 
like, obviously his parents aren't speaking in that photo. Um, and I think probably, like, like having his parents in his dreams could just, like, be prompted by something like that. Because, like, obviously it's not every day Harry sees his parents, you know? Or, like, yeah. sees a new photo of them. Like, he only has, like, a limited, like... You look a little different in every photo. He only has a limited yeah. idea of, like, what they look like. And, like, so this is, like, a new thing. So I'm sure that's why the, that came up. Yeah. Um, and then the last dream that he has in Order of the Phoenix is really weird. Again, his dreams in Order of the Phoenix are kind of wild. Well, so again, he's going through quotes. shit. Yeah, these are quotes because it, it moves very fast through multiple different things. Harry dreamed he was in the room of requirement with Cho, who was accusing him of luring her there under false pretenses, saying he had promised her 150 chocolate frog cards if she showed up. <laughs> Harry protested. Cho shouted, Cedric gave me loads of chocolate frog cards. Look. And she pulled out fistfuls of cards from inside her robes and threw them into the air and then turned into Hermione, who said, You did promise her, you know, Harry. I think you'd better give her something else instead. How about your firebolt? Mm. Um, and Harry protested that he couldn't give Cho his fireball because Umbridge had it and anyway the whole thing was ridiculous he'd only come to the the DA room to put some Christmas baubles shaped like put up Christmas baubles shaped like Dobby's head <laughs> so this kind of is like touching on multiple different things like obviously the like pseudo love square between Harry Cedric Cho and Hermione <laughs> that's kind of like going on throughout this book like harry's insecurities about his relationship with cho because of cedric and then cho's insecurities with her relationship with harry because of hermione Mm. um the chocolate frog cards is weird um i don't know what they're really supposed to symbolize um but 150 is kind of an important number to put the both of them because that's how many points you get if you catch the golden snitch and they're both seekers um and then, like, Hermione saying, like, I, you should give her your fireball. It's interesting because that was characterized as, like, Harry's, like, most important object that he owns. And so, like, mm-hmm. that's weird that Hermione is, like, like, it's, I don't know. It's just odd that, like, the fireball is a recurring thing in these dreams at all. Um I don't really know, like, what importance it plays in this one either. Well, now, too, isn't he, like, banned from Quidditch at this point? So, like... Yeah. The Firebolt isn't even any use to him, like... Yeah. Like, again, he says it. He doesn't even have it. Umbridge has it. Yeah. Um, so, like, I don't know. Maybe just supposed to show their connection through Quidditch. Like, they're both seekers. Yeah. I think Cho has kind of, like, talked about, like, oh, that's so cool you have a Firebolt, Harry. Um... (laughs) And then, like, Harry coming to put a bubble shaped like Dobby's head. Dobby had, like, decorated the room of requirement to look like, like, with Harry heads. Like, have yeah. a Harry Christmas. Um, so, like, I think that's kind of what that is alluding to. But this dream gets interrupted by the vision of Nagini attacking Mr. Weasley. But, like, I know that's just, like, a really weird dream. And I think, like, he, like, quickly forgets it, obviously, mm-hmm. due to the events that occur afterwards. Yeah, I really like the, the juxtaposition of, like, because this was, like, such a happy but also kind of confusing time with yeah. Harry and Cho kissing for the first time in that night and the conversation with Ron and Hermione that carries into the dream. And then, like, it's really dark. And then the next time that he's awake that shit is happening so it's like it's a very quick turn yeah also i just found it interesting so like harry pro said to show shouted from then on was like a direct quote from the book Mm -hmm. and it says he'd only come to the da room to put up some christmas baubles like it's weird that it's called the da room Mm, not in in the book you know yeah i thought that was weird yeah that's true (laughs) But yeah, I, like, I don't really know where to go with this dream. Like, definitely, like, the whole, like, Cedric, Harry, Hermione, Cho relationship, I think, is what, like, is most important. But also in the lexicon, I don't remember exactly what it said, but it was talking about, like, Cho throwing the chocolate frog cards at Harry is, like, him being surrounded by all of these, like, important wizards or whatever. And I was like, 
oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I mean, I don't, I just, I don't know. You know. Nice. Maybe it alludes to the fact that he will become one later. <laughs> um. All right. So, Half Blood Prince. Um. Most of the dreams here are like kind of just brief and I don't know, not like super thought out and significant. Um. So the first one, Ron is chasing Harry around with a beater's bat, and this is right after. Harry has started to realize his feelings for Ginny, um, and they've, like, walked in on Ginny and Dean making out after Quidditch practice, so it's, like, Harry is dealing with, like, the fact that he is he has feelings for Ginny, and also that, like, Ron just exploded at Ginny and Dean because of that relationship, and, like, Ron is, like, a whole host of things at this time. Um, and obviously they're playing a lot of Quidditch in this book, so that makes sense why, like, the way Ron is, like, chasing him and attacking him is with a beater's bat. Um, so yeah, this is obviously stemming from his sort of guilt at, uh, his feelings for his best friend's sister. Um, and then followed off with that, there's, like, some dreams about Ginny, which, not much to interpret there, it's just, you know, he's got her on his mind a lot. (laughs) Um, and then there's a dream with Malfoy, Slughorn, and Snape. So it said, like, his dreams were, quote, broken and disturbed by images of Malfoy, who turned into Slughorn, who turned into Snape. Um, obviously, like, these three characters Harry's obsessing over in this book. Um, he literally, like, watches Malfoy on the map before going to bed. So, like, Malfoy's fresh in his mind. He's always thinking about, like, what is Malfoy up to? He's doing something. So... That makes sense that he, like, creeps into his dreams. Um, Dumbledore has tasked Harry with getting something from Slughorn. This is, like, you know, Slughorn is this kind of constant, like, guilt in the back of his mind because he's not, like, making any progress on that. And then at the end of the book, obviously, Snape is the one who completes Malfoy's task. We know that, like, Harry's been obsessed with the Half-Blood Prince, and that ends up being Snape. So it's, like, these three figures are, like, Living in Harry's mind rent-free. Like, <laughs> he is thinking a lot about these three characters, even though he, like, maybe doesn't necessarily know that he's thinking about Snape more than he usually does. Um, but, yeah, it makes sense that, like, they're, like, kind of all convoluting. And obviously at the end, like, Snape takes over for Malfoy. So, like, the fact that it starts out a Malfoy and then it ends up being Snape, like with a stop at Slughorn in between, but Snape is the one who, like, finishes the job. Um, and then we have some dreams that Harry has, uh, post-Dumbledore's death, so it's just kind of, like, described that his dreams were thick with cups, lockets, and mysterious objects that he could not quite reach. Um, though Dumbledore, Dumbledore offered, helpfully offered a rope ladder that turned into snakes the moment he began to climb. So, obviously, the cups and the lockets and the snakes are all horcruxes. Um, And the mysterious objects, I think, is interesting. Like, I wonder... I wonder if they were, like, a diadem and... Yeah. I guess... Like, we already have the diary and the ring. But, like... I wonder if, like, deep in his subconscious, Harry knew what the other objects were because, like, Voldemort knew what the other objects were and, like, he couldn't access that information, like, in a useful way, but it was coming up in his dream. Like, I feel like that... I feel like it would be cool if, like, there had been a call out here, like, cups and lockets and, like, crowns or something, you know, like, just a little hint. But I don't know if that would have been too obvious. Yeah. Um, Obviously... I think it's also interesting, like, the ladder... Like Dumbledore giving him a ladder that like doesn't work. Sorry, yeah, we're gonna talk about that next. Go ahead. <laughs> oh no, it's fine. I mean, it's a, like super symbolic of like yeah. Dumbledore's quote unquote helping him, but it's not actually helpful. Like it, it looks like it's gonna be helpful, but it's not once he starts. And I think like at the end of book six, like Harry knows that he has a great task in front of him and it's going to be hard. But I think he thinks that 
Dumbledore has, like, given him more information. It's like when you think you know how to do something and then you start doing it and you're like, oh, I don't know how to do that. Like Every time I go back to an Excel spreadsheet, it's like, I, like I've done this before. <laughs> like, I know how to do it. And then it's like, <laughs> nope. <laughs> yeah. Like, seven is when he started doing it and he's like, oh, no, I don't know how to do that. Like, yeah. I think it also speaks to, like, Harry feels abandoned by Dumbledore. I think, mm-hmm. like... I don't know if he ever, like, explicitly says it. I think, like, later in Seven, he really feels this way. But maybe, like, subconsciously now, it's like, you left me with all this shit to do. Like, are mm-hmm. you kidding me? So, it could yeah, also kind of definitely. be alluding and talking about that. Um, And I also think it's interesting that, like, cups and lockets are called out specifically. Obviously, because those are the things that, like, we know are horcruxes. But, like... I feel like most of the seventh book focuses on the locket and the cup. Mm-hmm. Like, the locket, obviously, they, like, get the real one pretty early on, but it's a big to-do to get that. And then they spend so much time just, like, constantly talking about, like, who's wearing the locket? How are we going to kill the locket? The locket is making so-and-so mad. Like, whatever. And then, during this time, like, and also, like, the breaking at Gringotts, like, that is for the purpose of the cup like they think it's going to be the cup that they find there just because they don't know what else they would find um but i think it's interesting that those horcruxes are so like prominent in the seventh book whereas like the diadem and nagini end up kind of just being like thrown in really quickly at the end it's like okay kill the snake like that's the last one okay uh we need something from ravenclaw it's gonna be at hogwarts okay found it you like yeah it's like seconds Whereas, like, more, way more time is spent with the cup and the locket, like, on their mind. So, I think this, like, dream symbolizes really well just, like, Deathly Hallows and, like, foreshadowing Deathly Hallows as a whole. Like, kind of the struggle Harry's going to go through, feeling betrayed by Dumbledore, all these things. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Lastly, moving on to Deathly Hallows. So the first dream is like Gregorovich, Grindelwald, the Elder Wand, that kind of stuff, which like Harry doesn't realize isn't a dream when it's happening. But obviously later we realize it's like memories of things that have happened. Um, Like he sees the boy jumping out the window. He doesn't know who it is, but later he finds out that it was Grindelwald and like he had taken the wand from Grigorovich um he sees like a handsome young man with golden hair laughing um which good for you Dumbledore (laughs) um so again like the it's not really a dream it turns out to be a vision but like Harry kind of thinks they're dreams in the moment and we also see like Voldemort searching for Grigorovich and he's like Wherever I heard that name before, and he thinks Quidditch, but he realized it's Quidditch because Crumb was the one who said he had a wand made by Grigorovich. Um, the only real dream we get is um, Harry has dreams of Nagini moving through ring-like shapes, um, and the only interpretation the lexicon has is that like circles and rings often symbolize like eternity. So maybe this is alluding to like. Voldemort's um like search for immortality and like Harry trying to figure out how to like thwart that and then obviously like Nagini kind of being a part of that plan mm-hmm. um it does say however one of the circles is a Christmas rose wreath which is what Hermione produced for Harry to put on oh like they're also saying it connects to like the circle wreath that Hermione makes um to put on Harry's parents' grave, and maybe it's alluding to eternal hope and eternal love as well. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so then the lexicon also lists the King's Cross scene as a dream, which become a patron if you want to hear our thoughts on kind of what is going on there and is it a dream is it real is it not real because of that quote from Dumbledore of course it's happening inside your head Harry but why on earth should that mean it isn't real there you go yeah wow it's a lot of dreams Harry yep 
Oh, should we talk about some dreams and cursed child? <laughs> no, I skipped that. I was like, I'm not doing that. Uh, so yeah, those are kind of um again, we didn't go through any like visions. All of those are like what we interpret or what mm-hmm. the lexicon interprets to actually be strictly dreams. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, I mean I thought this could be kind of like a fun episode. Like was a cool. retrospective Hopefully theme. you guys didn't I like, think it was boring. Yeah, I always like episodes where we can kind of like connect things from multiple books and kind mm. of see how they play into the larger story. I always like it when we can do stuff like that. Yeah, I agree. I always think that's fun. Um, So in the Christmas slash holiday spirit, this <laughs> week's pop quiz or this episode's pop quiz question is, what magical item would you want for Christmas? Okay, so we got some responses on the group, Facebook group. Um, Morgan said invisibility cloak, and Linda agreed. That's what she was going to say. Shelby said a broomstick, Mm -hmm. and Leia said Hermione's magic purse from Deathly Hallows. And then Alex... I would not want that. I would just lose all the shit in that purse. (laughs) Like, I have a tiny purse... And I can never find anything in that one. I would want that if I also had a wand to summon things it's true. with. You know. That's true, that's true, yeah. Like imagine just sticking your wand in your purse and being like, Akio chapstick. Yeah. My chapstick, I could never I literally have to take I was telling one of the kids the other day, I think I literally have six items in my purse. And every time I try and find something, I have to take it like my sunglasses and my wallet are the only two things I can find in there. It's one compartment. Why is it so difficult? <sighs> Um, and then Alex said, my Hogwarts letter, still waiting. <laughs> um, I gotta go with broomstick. That was my first thought. Um, that's what Shelby said as well. Uh, I just think it'd be super, like, I walk to work every day. And, like, if I could just, like, get on a broomstick. Like, I know that I could, like, buy a car. Or, like, I don't want to <laughs> bike because I don't want to die biking in the city. Um... But if I could just, like, ride my broomstick to work, like, that would be my ideal mode of transport to work instead of public transportation or any of that. So, and I just, I've always thought it'd be fun, so. This is hard. I think it would really like a time turner, Mm. but I feel like that is something that like, I would want a time turner because sometimes, well, sometimes, sometimes. just, like, sometimes, <laughs> it's, like, sometimes something happens. Like, I feel like sometimes I literally just have, like, the worst luck in the world. <laughs> like, sometimes it feels like that. Like, I feel like I've never been a person who has, like, good luck per se. Uh-huh. Um, I feel like sometimes bad, not, like, bad things just happen to me. But, no, like, the other day, as an example, I was just, like, chilling out sitting in my bed I was getting ready to watch something I just bought a coffee I was like I'm so excited to drink this coffee I go to reach over and I grab it by the like the top of it Mm -hmm. and the cup is so poorly made like it's such a filmy cup that as I do that the lid just pops off of it and my large coffee just spills all over my floor I'm like at least it wasn't your bed (laughs) I know but it got like I'd stuff on my floor because I'm a messy person (laughs) but like I feel like I would always want a time turner for stuff like that. Or, like, I, like I've like i cracked and broken my phone almost every time I've had it. And I always claim that, like, it's not my fault. It's just, like, ran, like random things mm-hmm. just, like, happen that, like, would never happen again. You know? I feel like I'd want time turners so, for those, like, little things. You want... Like, if I just want, like, a 30-second reading yeah. button. You like, want, like, I don't a want the time power. turner light. Like... Yeah, I don't want the power and the temptation of being able to go back and, like, change everything in my life. I feel like that would make me go absolutely insane slash anybody absolutely insane. But, like, a little just 30-second kind of, like, redo button. <laughs> Ooh, that would come in clutch sometimes. <laughs> okay. You know? Yeah. Or a pygmy puff. That was the other one I was considering. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Classic. <laughs> All right. Well, um, thanks for listening. You can find our episodes on your favorite podcast platforms. And maybe as a little Christmas gift to us, since you can't get us a broomstick or a time turner or a <laughs> pygmy puff, you could leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Yeah. That would be awesome. 
Um, you can find us on social media. Not that we've been active. Not that we use social media that often, but we're going to try our best. I We just had a conversation off microphone <laughs> um, about how we need to start doing that again. I know like I think maybe this summer or earlier this year, I had said I was going to do it and I was good for like a month. And then, yeah. Yeah. Listen, this can be your job because as we discussed earlier, I know, all the I note know. stuff I do. Social media and like <laughs> design and that kind of stuff. Pseudo marketing that we do has always kind of been like more my domain because Audrey does all the notes and I appreciate that so much. Um, but you can follow us on our aforementioned social media. We are Wizard Studies Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. You can join our Facebook group at Wizard Studies Podcast group. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Wizard Studies. You can email us at wizardstudiespodcast at gmail.com and you can support us on Patreon if you are so inclined. We're just Wizard Studies Podcast on there. As always, thank you so much for listening. And remember, just do your best. We'll do the rest. And learn until our brains all rot.